We have a connection now from Vienna, Austria to Lagos in Nigeria. Hello, Mary. Hey, how are you doing? I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. So we literally have been talking only for five minutes in our in, in like the, the pre-talk. <laughs> um, I found you on Twitter. You did a thread about the situation about with Bitcoin and um, the Naira. Is Naira the right way to pronounce the currency? Naira, yes. It's pronounced Naira. Na okay. Okay, so um, I found you. I found your thread, and I thought it was very interesting. Um, and then I, I checked out all your profiles, and you're doing a lot of things regarding with Bitcoin and gaming. And it was, a, I have to say, it was a bit confusing. So maybe I let you introduce yourself. <laughs> all right, sure. Thank you so much for having me on your show. So yeah, my name is Mary, and I am half Nigerian, half Filipina, who was born in Turkey. So that explains the three flags on my Twitter bio. <laughs> um, and I am into a lot. Um, I work at Bitnob as the content creative media associate. So I handle the podcast. So Bitnob's podcast is called The Knobcast. I have my own podcast called Bitcoin Gamer Chat because I'm also into Bitcoin gaming. Um, I really be believe that Bitcoin gaming could be really a big thing in the Bitcoin space. So what I do is I try and create awareness around Bitcoin gaming and sort of build a Bitcoin gaming ecosystem around Bitcoin gaming creators. So I'm a bit Bitcoin gaming creator myself. I have a Twitch stream every Monday. Um, so I play Bitcoin games as a way to like show proof of concept that it is possible to be a gamer and a Bitcoiner. Um, so everything about my uh, Twitch channel is Bitcoin. Donations are through Bitcoin. The games are Bitcoin. We talk about Bitcoin. Um, so it's just a really cool way to showcase Bitcoin and gaming. Um, what else? I also... Um, um, I also participate in like um, Thunder Game stuff too. So I'm, I handle like the, um, some of the tournaments. I help out as well in Thunder Games, which is a Bitcoin gaming company as well. Um, and yeah, I'm also part of the Global Bitcoin Fest team. So Global Bitcoin Fest, they are an organization um, which hosts Twitter spaces with people from different communities in different parts of the world as a way to showcase um, Bitcoin adoption in those different countries. So I'm also part of the team. So yeah, I'm into a lot of Bitcoin projects um, and like I'm very passionate about bringing Af Africa to the world as well. So like, um, you know, if you check my Twitter, you get to see, um, you get to see this pinned tweet on like, you know, asking people to share their Africa projects because my goal is just to bring Africa projects to the world, let people know about what's happening in Africa. Um, and so, yeah, that's basically what I do. It's all because I love Bitcoin and I kind of have like an international background. So I want to just connect the world <laughs> as much as I can. Okay. So, so, so you, you're half Nigerian, half Filipino. You live in Nigeria. You were born in Turkey and you speak like an American. Yeah, I was given a very American education and um, Turkey was trying to get into the European Union. So there was a lot of European influence there, too. So, like, I'm all over the place. <laughs> It's fascinating. May I ask how old you are? Yeah, so I am turning 31 next week. <laughs> so my birthday is a, a week after Valentine's Day. So I'm turning 31 next week. <laughs> That's right. We're, we're taping this on Valentine's Day. I have, mm -hmm. to, I, have to, I have to call my wife. Um, all right. So 
and you're into Bitcoin gaming, it's fascinating. I only tried um, one of those lightning games. I think it was one of the Thunder games. I tried it once. It was very glitchy. I didn't know what was going on. Um, and, oh, no. And, and, and <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm almost 40, and so I don't have time to do lots of gaming. So, but it's interesting. I, I'm, I'm definitely going to tune into your, into your stream at some point. And, but is it, is, it like, is it really cool? Is it something that, that, that is fun already? Yeah, so my mom is getting closer and closer to 60, and she is a heavy Bitcoin gamer. In fact, like I got into Bitcoin gaming because of her, because she came to our room one day and she's like, can you please like find a game that gives me the opportunity to earn something as I'm playing? Because my mom likes playing all these games. Um, so I and my sister were like, you know what, It'd be, we, we can find games, but we want to make sure that it is bit, Bitcoin you earn, not just any like altcoin. Um, so we found, we, that's how we came across Bitcoin games and I sort of like took it off. Um, so yeah, Bitcoin games are fun. Um, where we are seeing more and more Bitcoin games come up and that's what I try to do. I try to showcase these Bitcoin games so more people get to know about them. I actually have a whole list of Bitcoin games. Um, I can, maybe I could share with you so you can share with your audience as well. So that's a, I have my own long list of Bitcoin games. So we have more games coming up. The idea really is to give people the opportunity to have fun and just earn sats as they're doing so. Um, so a game like Thunder Games, for example, um, or rather the company Thunder Games has actually onboarded a lot of people um, into Bitcoin through their games, right? So um, there was this recent statistic that went out that they have, from the, the months of October to December last year, they were able to um, onboard or like, we, they were able to yeah onboard about 41,000 people into Bitcoin. So we play, like 80% of the people who play their games are actually newbies in Bitcoin. So like it's also a really great orange pilling tool, to be honest. That's totally fascinating. I literally, I mean, I, I listen to 100 Bitcoin podcasts a week <laughs> and, and Bitcoin gaming hasn't come up so far. So it's, it's, it's great that we talk about this and we, we should delve into that more. But this is not why we talk today. We talk today because I see pictures of destroyed ATMs in Nigeria. And um, other, I did a story about um, the, the problems with, with um, the, the, the local currency on my, on my German uh, YouTube, uh, YouTube channel. And it was very interesting to get into this a bit. And this is also, I mean, I know a little bit, but you are there. So can you please tell me what's going on? Yeah, sure. Um, so it's been really crazy these past couple of weeks. Um, the central bank, um, is they want to issue new Naira notes. So they're changing the 100 Naira, the, sorry, the 1,000 Naira note, the 500 Naira notes, and the 200 Naira notes. Um, those are the largest, the three largest, um, de, you know, denominated notes we have. And so they gave an ultimatum that um, by so-and-so date, like you, we should stop using the old notes, um, which was all well and good until people, uh, we were getting closer and closer to the deadline. People started finding difficulty getting access to the new notes. The central bank kept saying that they have distributed these notes to all banks across the nation. So there was like literally no reason why there should be a, um, a shortage in these new currencies, but people couldn't get them. 
Um, and as the day was getting closer and closer, of course, you know how it is when you are getting closer to the deadline, there's serious panic. Um, and Nigeria is actually a cash-based society. We don't use um, mobile wallets often. We don't, not everybody is, follows the cashless system. So a lot of people deal with cash. So it's literally, if you can't get hands on cash, it's really difficult to do your day-to-day um, transactions, you know, buy things, get on public transport to go to your workplaces. And as a result, you know how it is when there's scarcity of something, the prices of everything just go up. We already have, we've experienced like the highest inflation rate in the past 17 years already. Plus this cash shortage that just caused, you know, crazy pressure. And if, as if that was not, um, as if that was not bad enough, we were also experiencing fuel um, shortages as well. So there was a few, we have, we have like an ongoing fuel crisis. So like, People were queuing for fuel um, at the fueling station. People couldn't buy fuel without cash. And the people at the fueling stations are like, we can't accept your um, debit cards because of, you know, the pressure happening in the banks. Not all of the transactions were going through and the, the people at the fueling station didn't want to have to deal with all that. So they were like cash only. So everything, everybody wanted the cash, but there was no cash going around. So much pressure. There was heavy traffic because of the long queues. Um, so I, the few times I went out because I work from home, the few times I went out, there are like queues going for miles, like of cars lining up. Sometimes there are people that just stay there, um, come there in a queue very early in the morning in order to like fill their gas tanks. And sometimes when it finally gets your turn, they're like, we're not selling anymore. Um, then um, people at the banks... They all went, so because they couldn't get cash from the ATM, some went into the banking halls to try and, you know, ask for um, the cash. The banks were, like, saying they don't have it. Um, Some banks were just giving coins, and coins are not popular in Nigeria. Like, people don't use coins. Some banks were giving coins, and you know how it is. If even though the coins are legal tender, right? But because people don't not the people don't accept them, your coins are good as as good as useless, right? Because nobody wants to collect the coins from you. It's legal tender, but nobody wants to collect it from you. So what's the use of the coins, right? So um, there are some people that were um, fight in the banking halls because they were not being attended to. Like it was just really crazy. Some of the videos that you probably have seen, maybe of people fighting inside the banking halls. Um, so in, I, I know that some people might have seen videos of people stripping um, in the banking hall. So usually when people want to fight, they take their shirt off and start fighting. So it's like it's oh, just really? a sign of yeah, <laughs> it's just a sign of like I'm ready to do this. Like you, you want to go down? Okay. <laughs> Um, uh, so, but what are they like, fighting about if there is no, if nobody has any money? So the, 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 there's just lots of frustration, and people are looking for outlets for the frustration. Is um, I mean, why is the why is the central bank doing the whole thing in the first place? Why are they um, um, issuing new new notes? So um, there are a couple of reasons, but one of the major ones that we're starting to see is actually to sort of curve. Um, corruption. So we're getting very close to election period. Um, In fact, elections are going to happen next week. Um, So a lot of politicians have been, you know, 
they take all this money and then spread it around to try and buy votes. So I guess this was just their way of trying to curtail that so that there'll be free and fair elections. Um, but unfortunately, it just caused greater pressure. So we have a deadline. There are fuel scarcity. Banks are not giving out these these um, cash. There have been some news that banks have these this cash, the new notes, in their possession, but they're not giving it out to people for some weird reasons. Some people are spe- speculating that it's because they're holding this um, new Naira notes for certain politicians. Um, there and it's just really crazy. It's causing serious pressure to the system, to the banking system. It just shows that the banking system is also not efficient um, because a lot of the times, most of the banks have also um, their systems sort of broke down. I mean, I don't know if the word broke down is the best way to describe it, but they just sometimes transactions don't go through at all. Um, there was this time when my sister wanted to make a transfer to someone, um, to another person's bank account. And she tried it like four times. It didn't go through. Even to make simple transactions, like to buy um, calling credits, um, it was actually difficult over the banking apps. For some real reason, all these banking apps started having issues. So it just shows that the the banking system isn't even efficient. Um, people, and you know, Nigeria is kind of peculiar. It, like if you look at countries like Ghana and Kenya, they use mobile money wallets a lot. So it's very... And peso, um, right? I, I've yes, been, so I've, Kenya... So, so I have to say, I have to say, I've only been, so I've been to Kenya and I've been to Morocco. And I, and, and I, I went to Kenya and this is years ago, right? This was before I even got into Bitcoin. And I went to Kenya and I thought, you know, I'm taking the dollar. It's the world reserve currency. Everybody wants the dollar. And I flew there with $400 in cash. And I also flew home with $400 in cash because nobody wanted my money. Every, everything yeah. was just running on M-Pesa. But this is, not, this is not happening in Nigeria. No, it's not. Because we're, we're more of a cash-based system. So people like to have the cash at hand. And then they can deposit in the bank if they want to. Um, so because we don't have those mobile money wallets, like it's not very popular in Nigeria, that caused more pressure. Um, so there was just high dependence on banks to, you know, um, to function properly in order for transactions to go through. Um, so like, if you look at different parts of Nigeria, um, like in a lot of, um, so for example, I stay, I stay in Lagos, which is the commercial capital in Nigeria. Some people have adapted to just work more with um, direct transfers. So if you are lucky to maybe have a know a shopkeeper that's open to direct transfers, um, you can still buy some of your things. And then those who, so we have what we call POS services. So um, because banks are not um, dispersed in so many places, sometimes what there are these POS services, so we can go to a maybe someone who has a POS machine and then withdraw cash from them and then pay them for the service. Um, but now because cash was scarce, people were literally paying money for money. Uh, for example, I, there have been news like in the early stage of, of this crisis, there was someone who had to pay 3000 Naira for two th- for 20,000 Naira. And then it went up to like 5000 Naira. No, it went up to like 10,000 Naira for 50,000 Naira. Then it it's just, or one thousand naira for five thousand naira. So like it just keeps going up depending on how scarce it is. Most people are not even able to get large quantities of money. 
they because the POS service, they want to make sure that they have enough cash to give to people. So if you go to a POS service and say, I want to withdraw 50,000, they'll say, no, we can't give you 50,000 Naira. We can only give you 5,000 Naira at a time per person. Um, and that also causes a lot of pressure. We have market women that do not deal with banks. They deal with cash and makes it really difficult for us to buy from them as well. And it makes it difficult. It's also difficult for them to also buy from the market to um, to replenish their stock. So it's just been really crazy. <laughs> Has the situation gotten any better in the last couple of weeks? Um, so. I think so. One thing about Nigerians is that we adapt really quickly. Um, so when something bad happens, you see like an initial huge, crazy, you know, thing happening, and then after some time, we adapt. Um, so it has like I can't say that the situation has resolved or has died down. What I can say is that people have gotten used to the hardship now. Um, so it's like okay, I couldn't find cash, you know that's the situation of the country so that's just how people are taking it now it's we're not we're still dissatisfied there's still long queues there's still a lot of crowd in front of atms and in, in front of banks some banks have completely shut down um but what what happened now is that people are like well it's just this is just it what about the, the, the central bank digital currency? There's supposed to be some sort of e-Naira thing going on. Have you ever used it, seen it? I have never used the e-Naira. And quite frankly, um, the e-Naira did not record much success when it went live. Um, and if you walk down the streets of Nigeria and you ask somebody about e-Naira, I, like, I can tell you for a fact that 80%, if not 90% of the people will say they have never used it before. So, you know, one thing about, um, you know, we see with money, whenever you want to make a transaction, right, you make a transaction with something that you recognize as a currency, as something valuable, right? So in the minds of Nigerians, they have not, it hasn't registered in their head that the e-Naira could be this values like this um currency that we can use on a regular basis for something because lots of shopkeepers won't take it from you um people aren't eager to have it and hold it because it doesn't give them any benefit right now so why even bother right so people are not even looking at it as a solution although the central bank is trying to say hey why don't you just use it but um really it all before money can be something that could be traded it has to be accepted by the people and they've not the people haven't adopted it to that level yet i mean I, you're saying nigeria is a cash-based society it's funny because austria is as well very cash-based um but also i think that there has been an official like policy by the government that Nigeria is going to be a cashless society since I think what 2012 so that doesn't seem to go very well so even though I remember when that actually happened I was still in school then um, when the announcement was made that Nigeria will be a cashless society and by cashless it was more like I should be able to use my debit card to make payments and payments will go through I should be able to make a transfer using my banking app and payments would go through um, but still there are a lot of people who still prefer to hold cash um, and in you know third world in, in um, western countries right even though you say that it, it's a cash-based 
society, right? You still have um, the opportunity to buy things on credit, like these, um, you know, installmental payments and all those kind of things. Our system isn't developed to that aspect that people are open to buying things installmentally. For example, where I, when I was born in Turkey, and in Turkey, even though people use cash, a lot of people depended on this installmental payment. Um, that's how a lot of people were able to buy homes. A lot of people were able to buy even the clothes that they're wearing because they had this installmental payment system. But when we moved to Nigeria, what we as a family, like I'm talking about my family, mom, dad, my sister, what we observed is that everybody wanted cash. They weren't open to using checks um, or like, you know, you know, 60 day checks, 90 day checks for anything. It has to be cash there and then. And even if we have we have this cashless policy that we can transfer money directly to each person, you still have to have the cash in the bank to make those transactions. Um, so, yes, we are we are a cash-based society, and yes, there are um, tools and applications that encourage cashless the cashless system. But without you having the cash in these. But wallets or bank accounts, or you cannot make any transactions. That's what I meant. I think you're right. I think it's there's a huge difference between a Western country that has a banking system and debit cards and everything working, with people still preferring cash, and an actually cash-based society like you describe. I think this is important, and it's a perfect segue to the topic of Bitcoin. So, um, I mean, what's the situation with Bitcoin in Nigeria? So um, in Nigeria, a lot of people are very curious about Bitcoin, um, and a lot of people have heard about Bitcoin before, especially the youth. And um, there are also statistics that a lot that people have been searching about how to buy Bitcoin. Um, so there is this great interest. But currently, Bitcoin is actually seen more as a speculative instrument. So people, you, you know, buy Bitcoin from exchanges and then trade. Bitcoin to get some short-term gains. Um, then some people use it as a store of value. Um, I know that, that there are some people who receive pay money, from, like they receive salaries and somehow turn it into, change it to Bitcoin. And then from there to USD or US, USDT, um, you know, to sort of hedge against inflation. Um, so you have some people doing that. And then there are also like, situations where you have these large like big 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 time importers so they import goods from suppliers um you know majorly china which is really interesting so they, these importers have chinese suppliers and they actually transact with them in bitcoin um these chinese suppliers interestingly you know they take the bitcoin as payment for the supplies and then they send them the goods and these importers collect the goods and sell these goods to people in Nigeria. So there are news about that. In fact, someone told me that the large volume of transactions in Bitcoin are as a result of these guys, these big time in, in importers, because it's really expensive and difficult to get um, dollar from the banks. Um, so in Nigeria, we have the CBN rate, that's Central Bank of Nigeria rate, which is around 400 and something. And then 400 and something naira to a dollar. Then we have the parallel market rates, which is the black market rate, which is around 700 and something to a dollar. So the issue is that it's a lot difficult to get dollars at the central bank rate, um, but it's so much easier to get dollars at the black market rate. Um, so like 
if you buy if you get dollars at the black market rate for an importer like um, that, it's is more expensive for them to pay for goods. So they pay in so they usually pay in Bitcoin. Um, it's not too publicized for obvious reasons, um, but this is a use case that is actually happening in Nigeria. I never thought I never heard of this before. So the the Nigerian the, it's, it's it's Nigerian industry, Nigerian businesses who pay for supplies coming from China in Bitcoin. Yes. And then the Chinese take the Bitcoin and do what? They pay other people with it or they just they just I literally have you no don't idea. Know that. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> but it's, that's why I said it's quite interesting because when I was told this, uh, I was surprised too because I was like isn't it China that's actually against Bitcoin? But yeah, you have you have these Chinese businessmen who transact in Bitcoin with Nigerians. But what's the legal status of of Bitcoin in Nigeria? Is it is it like is there a ban? Is there no ban? It's always very difficult to to find out. So um, what happened was that the central bank um, they issued a circular um, which states that banks and other financial institutions are prohibited from facilitating crypto-related transactions. Um, and unfortunately, Bitcoin falls under the general term crypto. So a lot of people started calling that circular, that pronouncement as the crypto ban. But it's not, it's not an outright ban. It's just a warning, like major, like a, like a strong, um, an order from the central bank saying, hey, bank, if you're a bank or any financial institution, do not, we warn you, do not, um, facilitate any cryptocurrency related transactions anywhere you see the the detail is, is it's it, the narration says crypto you know you're not allowed to carry out that transaction so you know nigerians being nigerians um and you must like what well, that's the beauty about nigerians right they they know how to um solve their problems like really quickly so they found out that okay since we have the crypto ban, and I'm putting it in quotes. What's another way to get around this problem? And they now start went from banks facilitating these transactions to doing peer-to-peer -peer transactions. So they look out for people who have Bitcoin, the Bitcoin they want to buy. And then they'll say, okay, I want to buy Bitcoin from this person. And what they do is they, what what happens is that the transaction sort of happens behind closed doors. It's like, um, for example, Let's assume that I want to buy Bitcoin from you, Nicole. And I'll just be like, hey, Nicole, do you have, do you have um, $1,000 worth of Bitcoin? You'd be like, hey, yeah, I do. Are you willing to sell it? And you'd be like, yeah, okay, so how much are you selling that Bitcoin in Naira? And then we agree, and then I send you the Naira to your bank account. But in the narration, I would probably say to Nicole. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't like disclose that it is for Bitcoin or crypto, right? Um, and then you, because we had the discussion before, you send me the Bitcoin to my Bitcoin address or Lightning, light, um, to my Lightning address, and we all go off happy. To the bank, it's like Mary sent Naira to Nico. That's all mm -hmm. they know. They That's do not know yeah. the purpose. Um, so they, so Nigerians move to P2P transactions. Um, and that's the way I, the illustration I gave is like the really simplified version 
Um, so that is how Nigerians had access to Bitcoin. So, and interestingly, when that ban happened or quote unquote ban happened, I'm putting it in quotes because not really banning um, cryptocurrency or Bitcoin in general. It's more like telling banks not to engage in it. Um, when it happened, interestingly, that actually increased the volume of Bitcoin transactions in Nigeria, uh, which is really cool. That, yeah. Fix the Money is brought to you by 21 Bitcoin, the easy way to buy, sell, save, and send Bitcoin. 21 Bitcoin is a Bitcoin-only app, not an exchange. There's no distractions. There's an individual savings plan, very low fees, first-class personal support, and a German bank account. Based in the Austrian Alps, it's available now throughout Europe. Download now using the code FIXTHEMONEY to get up to 20% off your fees over there on 21bitcoin.app. Not your keys, not your coins. You need a hardware wallet signing device. Check out the Bitbox O2. Swiss made, secure, beautiful, open source, Tor support, Bitcoin only, and an all-around outstanding product. Use the code FIXTHEMONEY on shiftcrypto.ch to get 5% off. That's the Bitbox O2. Fix the money. Um, I mean, how, like, in a daily basis, how important or popular is Bitcoin really? Because you are a very passionate Bitcoiner, so you, so 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 you you'll deal with it every day, I guess. But is it is it something that is of of importance to everyday Nigerians? I guess at least the young people, or is it just you know to make money or to to put it into your mental stable coins? So I guess that they play a role. Um, so it really depends on on your line of work and your intention. Um, so, for example, if you are a big time importer, you would deal with Bitcoin on a regular basis because you're buying goods from um, your suppliers. And you know that it's really difficult to get um, USD in the legal means, right? So you'll be interfacing with Bitcoin on a regular basis as a big-time imp um, importer. If you are a young person who's curious about, you know, sort of creating an income through crypto trading, or you know, and then you add Bitcoin as part of your portfolio, you would see, you would interface with it on a regular basis as you are trading to get short-term gains. Um, then you have another set of people, which is a really small percentage of people who understand Bitcoin so well to the point that when they are working with people maybe abroad or they're working um, in a company that is open to paying them in Bitcoin, they ac readily accept Bitcoin say, hey, I'm open to receiving Bitcoin. So it really depends on where you fall into. Um, but what I can say is that if you walk down the street and you ask somebody about Bitcoin, they have an idea. They've heard of it before at the very least. Um, the only thing that I feel we need a lot of work in is adapting, like adopting Bitcoin to the point where I can go to a shop and say, I want to buy this. Do you accept Bitcoin? That's the, that is the aspect where we're not really active in right now in Nigeria. Um, it does happen in some places, right? Like I know that there is a, sh uh, there is a store where I live um, that accepts Bitcoin, but the owner of the store has to be there in order for you to make that Bitcoin transaction. If his workers are there, like you, they, they, would, they know nothing about it. They, can't, they won't, can't accept Bitcoin on their, owners, on their owner's behalf, right? 
So it's happening somehow low key, right? But it's not actively done. That's why I always say that we as Bitcoin educators in Nigeria, we have a lot to work to do to let people start thinking of Bitcoin as a way we can transact with each other. Um, hence that Twitter thread that I wrote. You know, if people could see Bitcoin as another way of making payments, right? We probably would not be facing this chaos that's happening right now. So for anybody wondering, watching this on video and wondering why Mary and I are not in the same outfits as we were just a minute ago, uh, we did have some technical problems uh, between Europe and Nigeria. So we, we restart the recording here. Um, and Mary, I took the time. So there's like two days in between. I took the time to do some research. You talked about um, Nigerian companies using Bitcoin to, 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 to trade with China, which is extremely interesting. I think it's very newsworthy. And there was an article talking about this. I think it was on uh, Coindesk talking about this in 2020. So that's three years ago. Is there any other way to find out if this is really happening? Do you have any, you know, um, or how do you know about this? So I got the information from a friend. So it's like a friend of a friend. And I'm actually very happy that um, it was reported because like people need to know. Um, and what what I was told was that the large volume or the large Bitcoin transaction, a major part of it comes as a result of these importers like importing and um, like importing a lot of goods from China or other or supplies from other countries. Um, so that is highly probable because because of our um, financial system. So to obtain dollars um, is actually really hard in that large volume. It becomes very expensive as an importer to like um, pay their um, their suppliers in dollars. And because the cost is so high and also the time it will take for them to transfer that money to their suppliers is so long. I mean, it was only it's it makes sense that they resorted to Bitcoin as a way of solving this problem. So I'm not surprised and I'm very happy that it was reported. But I got the, my information from a friend of a friend. <laughs> and, and you also said that you also said that um, it's it's. It, People think that this is the reason for the high uh, volume of transactions and, and, and Bitcoin trade in, in Nigeria? Yes, um, because the number of people who trade, so I, like I mentioned before, like in Nigeria, you have people who buy Bitcoin for speculative purposes, so to get short-term gains um, when they're trading it on an exchange, and then there are some who just hold it as a store of value. So if you were to look at um, like the question now would be like, how many traders are out there? How many people understand the art of trading and how many people see Bitcoin as that means or medium through which they can get short-term gains? Um, so in Nigeria, what's happening is that people actually take courses on this, on, on how to trade um, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies on an exchange. Um, so it's a it's a skill that they have to pick up. So it's not something that you'll see a lot of people go into. You have them, you have trainers, people who are training people how to do it, but it's not, the number of people does not, um, how do I put it? It doesn't coincide with the volume because uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was, it was about 3 trillion. Um, so that means you need to have like millions and millions of tri crypto traders or Bitcoin traders 
in order to have that large amount of um, Bitcoin transaction volume. So wait, 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 wait. Three, three the, trillion what? Three trillion. Um, I think it's three trillion dollars. Let me just double check. But it's like it's a really large amount. Uh, it could be three trillion dollars, three trillion naira. I can't really remember, but it's actually a lot of Bitcoin that is being. That volume is really large, um, it and it's not, not something that can be done by you know trading short term gains. But it no. must be. But it must be. It must be three trillion naira, right? It's it's three trillion yeah, it naira, be naira because three trillion dollars would be. Three thousand. That's like so much money. Oh my god! <laughs> billion. I mean, that's enough money yeah. to retire. So it basically. should be naira. <laughs> yeah, it should be naira. I, I mean, I need to like have it checked, but I know it's three trillion something. Like the volume is really large. What's that? Like the yearly um, volume or the daily volume or? Um. So I think it was from the time when the crypto ban ah. came in. So the time of the crypto ban was, I think around 2020 or 2021 so february 2020 or 2021 so from that time like that was the volume um and that just shows you that a lot of there has been like heavy use of bitcoin but you need to have a reason that would promote that large volume so and i don't think trading on an exchange is something that would make it reach that large volume so it's most likely the traders and that's what i was told as well so yeah not the traders I mean, the, sorry the importers yes sorry, the yes importers. yes they, so yeah, that's the, what I was the, like the real well. traders not the speculators thinking they are going to get rich <laughs> yeah. by um i'm trading on sushi swap um so i just did i did, just did like a real quick search here and we are talking about um more than a billion um only like more than a billion dollars us dollars of volume um, in Nigeria, only on the peer-to-peer markets. Uh, this is only the peer-to-peer markets. So because that's the only way they can have access to Bitcoin. That's insane. Right now, it is insane. It really is. Yeah. I mean, from from all you know, us in the West talking about all these theoretical opportunities that Bitcoin brings you. Many people understand them on an abstract way, but when it comes down to it, most of us default to using the euro and the dollar because it's just it. it in most ways, it's easier. There are exceptions, of course. Um, especially when the bank gives you a call and asks you about the money, then you, you think about, you know, well, wh why did I use Bitcoin? <laughs> but, um, but, but seeing this in a developing country and, and, and Nigeria is fascinating. I mean, Nigeria is the biggest country in Africa, more than 200 million people, the youngest population basically on earth. Right. So there's a huge future there. People, people um, see Nigeria as one of the most important countries of the next century, basically. Yeah, totally. And they call us the giant of Africa. So a lot of African countries actually look up to us. Um, but we still have a lot to learn, even though we do like large volumes of Bitcoin transaction. Adoption isn't how it's meant to be. Um, like, it is true that if you walk down the streets and ask someone about Bitcoin, they probably heard of it or they have some um, or they're curious to learn. Um, it is highly possible you get those three sets of people. Um, but you don't have people who are open to receiving it as um, a form of a payment for goods and services. So that is an area that is actually lacking. And um, I think we as Bitcoin educators need to work a lot harder in that area. Like currently with the whole um, crisis that's happening here in Nigeria with the money scarcity, scarcity of petrol and, you know, and, 
elections coming in really soon as well. Like there has been serious pressure in the banking system. So like being able to um, send and receive money or send and receive money using Bitcoin would have been the ideal way of solving the problem that we're facing here. But people haven't been able to conceptualize that and see it as a viable option. Um, they understand that Bitcoin um, is helpful, but they have not been able to put that together with the regular use of it. You know, going being able to go to the store yeah. and pay in Bitcoin, or actually saying, "Hey, you can pay me this in in Bitcoin." Um, and there, it, it's understandable why it's like that because. In Nigeria, um, we are a ca cash-based society and we are not, even though we have like the cashless system working, so you can send money via your bank account and it comes fairly instantly, um, but we're not used to like, it's not so, like we're not used to the wallet system. Mm -hmm. um, there are regulations that allow the use of mobile wallets. There are some companies that actually offer mobile wallets, but People haven't adopted it yet. So like being able to conceptualize that is not really in the Nigerian psych right now. Um, like Ghana and, and Kenya, it's like so ingrained in the system. You, everybody has M-Pesa in Kenya. Um, it makes it very easy. So like in a country like Kenya to adopt Bitcoin, right? Um, especially if you have the right tools and apps, um, it, it's a lot, it'll be a lot easier for them to conceptualize because to them it's like, the closest thing they can relate it to is how efficient M-Pesa is. Same thing in Ghana. Like the closest thing they can associate it with, associate Bitcoin with and Bitcoin transactions with is how efficient mobile money is. Mobile money wallets are in, in Ghana. But in Nigeria, we can't, we've not been able to draw that relationship because we're not using this form of payment actively. Um, and then there are a lot of people who, like market women who don't even have bank accounts. Um, so there's like this learning curve that has to be crossed as well. Like how can they use their feature phones to actually do mobile money payments, right? First, and then maybe from there move into something like Machankara that allows you to use USSD to get access to Bitcoin. Um, so once that culture, I believe that once that culture is established, you'll be very easy for people to start seeing the possibilities of, you know, exchanging goods and services in Bitcoin. Now, what's this, you mentioned twice that Bitcoin educators need to do better in Nigeria. I think they need to do better everywhere in the world. But what is the situation? Because we live in a bubble, right? I can see your thread. I can tell you on Twitter, hey, let's talk. And we can immediately start talking about Bitcoin on, on, a, on a, let's say, on a very high level, right? But if anybody, and it, I don't think it's different in Nigeria or here in Austria, if anybody just goes uh, uh, online and looks for information on, on, on Bitcoin, they will either get into some altcoin scam or some actual scam or some trading scam or some YouTube scam. And, 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 and Nigeria does have a reputation for, for being the homeland of the Nigerian prince scam. And, and whatever um, so so I mean how is the situation let's say on the ground the information situation are there many people like you who or is it is it mostly scams um, so there are a good number of people who are knowledgeable about Bitcoin in Nigeria um, you know you'd be surprised there are a lot of people who are knowledgeable about Bitcoin I know when I Hosted my first Bitcoin meetup in Lagos. Um, I thought I would get a lot of newbies, 
Uh, in fact, like out of the 40 people <laughs> that joined in, I could say maybe about 80 to 90% already understood Bitcoin. So it was, they wanted to just be able to engage with people who are like them, who understand Bitcoin and see other opportunities that they can find through Bitcoin. Um, but, you know, one thing I, the reason why I mentioned Bitcoin educators is because, you know, in Africa, generally, um, we are a very culturally rich continent. Um, and in order to explain something as complex as Bitcoin, um, it requires you to relate the Bitcoin mm -hmm. in the cultural context. Um, so for example, when a, when you want to orange pill someone, we would always say Bitcoin is freedom money, you know, like protect yourself from the government, this and that, but that doesn't make sense to an average Nigerian. But if you say, okay, you know what, now you're, you're, you sell you sell um, shoes or you sell sandals, like handmade sandals. If I were to orange peel someone like that, it would be like, hey, these homemade sand this um, handmade sandals that you are producing right now look amazing. How do you sell them? They'll say, oh, I, you know, I go to the market. And then what, what currency did they pay you in? And they'll be like, in Naira, of course. But what if you could accept a currency that enables you to do business with people abroad? Right now, you're accepting Naira, meaning that you are restricting your your business within the four, four walls of Nigeria because Nigeria is the only country that accepts Naira. Why not accept something like Bitcoin, which opens up your business to hundreds and thousands of people all over the world? So it'll be easy for you to get paid and then you can send these goods because now you can actually charge a premium for packaging, for um, for delivery and they you can send these shoes to someone in the States, you know, like you, you, and you'll get your money instantly. Now, if I said that to an average Nigerian, they'd be like, tell me more. I want to know more about this Bitcoin. So you see the difference. You have to explain Bitcoin in a way that matters to the people you're talking to. You have to deal with people in a way from their like a cultural perspective that they can easily relate with. Then along the line, they can do their their research and be like, oh, Bitcoin is really freedom money. And then they can now tell people about Bitcoin. So it's like that's the aspect that I always um, hammer on when I'm when I talk to Bitcoin educators. Like, let's try and draw a cultural um, connection. I know Nigerians are very entrepreneurial, very resourceful. So how can we? bring the Bitcoin conversation to these Nigerians from that perspective. And when I started my meetup, that was the angle that I was targeting. If you're new to Bitcoin, we'll tell you all about Bitcoin. But the goal of this meetup is for you to see opportunities that you can start um, taking advantage of now by using Bitcoin. And that was what I plan to highlight or what I highlighted in my last meetup, because I knew that that's the best way to get people uh, more into Bitcoin. So to address the area of scams, um, the reason why people even come across these scams is one, they're trying to find information, right? Um, they're trying to get inf more information about Bitcoin. Um, and 
the whole principle of don't trust verify is something you get into after you're like really deep into Bitcoin. If you're a newbie, you don't know the principle of don't trust verify because we are so used to the fiat system that um, makes us highly dependent on the bank and the central bank and the regulators to do the verification for us. So we come with our fiat mindset into a decentralized um, system, hoping that there'll be a body or group of people who will do the verification for us. And then we'll just, you know, enter this thing and we'll be good. But when you're entering into something decentralized, what, mean, what it means is that you are now agreeing to take full responsibility of your money. In the fiat system, you are depending on a third party to help you um, facilitate any transaction. You're dependent on someone else. But in a decentralized system, you are fully responsible for the, your decisions and your actions. Um, so, yes, scams happen because people are not careful enough to do more digging, ask more questions. Um, and that is why, because the scammers recognize that gap, they exploit it. Um, unfortunately, so. Um, so, no. but the truth is that scam is everywhere. It's not just Nigeria, although like it's very popular that people say Nigerians are a lot of scam. There are a lot of scammers in Nigeria, but scam is everywhere. In fact, if you look at the records of the top countries that are you know like into scams, Nigeria doesn't even make the top five. I don't think it even makes the top ten. Um, but like, so what we need to do is to um, constantly create this awareness that when we say don't trust verify, do your research, we have to um, hammer that on a lot better. So as, as Bitcoin educators, what we can do is to create um, quality Bitcoin materials that will be easy for people to understand and easily accessible to these people. So that when they come across this information, they could always cross check it with the Informate with so, the so, information so, so from what's verified the, the situation um, with 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 educators. Um, you do a podcast, and I think you do Twitch streams. And is there like other podcasts? Is there YouTube channels? What are people? You know, where where can I find good content from Nigeria? Okay, so. Um, Bitnob has a podcast, which is Bitnob. Sounds only. great. That um, that sounds great. Podcast, so that's a good um, source. <laughs> that's a good source. We also have some Bitcoin educators who host meetups in different parts of the country. So that gives you a physical space to go and meet someone one-on-one. -on -one. So um, Nigerians like to meet a person um, and like to be handheld and shown how to do certain things. So these Bitcoin meetups give opportunity for people to actually engage and see how Bitcoin works. So attending Bitcoin meetups is a great one. Um, then following people who host these Bitcoin meetups are also a great resource if you're in Nigeria, um, because most times these Bitcoin, Nigerian Bitcoin educators, we like post stuff on our Twitter, um, we put out content about Bitcoin, which is really good. That keeps you immersed all the time. Um, then um, you, I've, I'm not too familiar with a lot of um, YouTube channels that are like 
Bitcoin focused in Nigeria yet. I hope someone who's listening to this takes the initiative to go into it. Um, but I know what, where I got most of my information was on Twitter spaces. So Twitter spaces are also a really great place to learn. I know that there are localized Twitter spaces like the, um, the Bitcoin in Nigeria show um, that gets that's hosted live on Twitter as well. It's something that people can join and learn. Um, and Twitter spaces are actually a really great place to ask questions from people. So they like to have this, they want to, because in Nigeria, people want to make sure they're talking to a human being who can show them the way. So um, these are like really good, very close touch um, sources of information. So is, is Twitter big in, in, in Nigeria? Because I read that it was actually banned for a, for a while. Yeah, so Twitter is big in Nigeria. People use t Twitter even during the ban. People, like, like I mentioned before, one thing about Nigerians is that we're extremely uh, resilient. We are determined. We always find a way around things. <laughs> we know how to solve our problem really quickly. So as soon as the ban happened, people were like, people, I know, I remember that time. As soon as the ban happened and people didn't have access to Twitter, you would see like people putting status updates on like, V free VPNs people could download to have access to, to Twitter. So it didn't really affect people that much. Um, it did affect the battery consumption, though, because <laughs> <laughs> the VPN took a lot of people's battery. But people still had access to um, to Twitter. And, of course, whatever information that's on Twitter, one thing about us is that there's it's always recirculated to other social media platforms, too. There are, like... Um, there are like social media platforms that curate content that happens on Twitter. So people don't even lose touch with what's di being discussed on Twitter uh, as such. Um, so yeah, it's big in Nigeria and um, people have access to it now. The ban has been lifted. <laughs> I think it was banned because because uh, somebody said something ba bad about the president or something and then yeah and then trump exactly. applauded that... it because because uh he was banned from twitter back then okay let's not go into that um <laughs> i do want to i would do want to apologize for the whole nigeria scam thing you're absolutely right first of all of course it's a meme obviously it's a meme um but that's not the point the point is when you think about it and this is why it's absolutely great that we get to talk to each other because when you think about it, scams like we know them mostly there's a hundred different forms of it, right? Um, they are they 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 um, they go for people who want to speculate and make more money. And you said that people that there are people like that in Nigeria, and I expect that they are. But the difference is that here in the West, mostly um, this is this is of course the majority, right? Like like ninety five percent probably, maybe even more of all crypto people are only there for number go up and make more money. Yes. Um, and they are, of course, easily scammed, right? They are easily scammed because because they they are there with little dollar signs in their eyes. And when you go on, on <laughs> and, and when you go on um, on on YouTube, especially, I mean, I, I follow the German speaking YouTube scene very closely, of course. Um, it's absolutely insane. I mean, people are are shilling scams left, right, and center, uh, mostly under the the banner of of cryptocurrency and why Ethereum is better than Bitcoin and why Cardano is better than Ethereum, and you know the drill, right? Um, 
it's insane. It is absolutely insane. And there's nothing you can do about it because, because uh, people really need to find out themselves. The authorities are never going to do anything. It's, everything happens way too fast. Um, so, so it's just look at FTX, right? I mean, look at Luna, oh, look, yeah. look at Celsius. <laughs> um, it's, 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 but, but, and, and that, so this is where I'm going with this. Um, it's actually it, it's probably easier to actually explain Bitcoin to Nigerians because they have something to use it for immediately. While in the West, in the West, it's 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 we have to understand, but and using it is is great. I mean, it's one thing to just you know stack sets, but it's another thing to actually use Bitcoin. Yeah, totally. And um, I think it's you know more people here are just really. You'll be surprised because I've been in conversations with people who, you know, talk about crypto um, generally. And I was just amazed by their understanding of Bitcoin. Sometimes, though, uh, and, you know, if we go back to how we got into Bitcoin, like a good number of us got into it because we were scammed <laughs> or we lost all our, our uh, you know. Is that your story? Is that crypto holdings. Because I wanted to ask you for your oh, story. No. <laughs> no, that was not my story. But I know that um, there was a time when my my sister, she bought, I th I'm not really quite sure what coin it was or whether it was Bitcoin. It was the exchange because she kept the money in the exchange. Um, she lost all of it. Um, but like hearing other people's story um, is also something that moves people to Bitcoin. So sometimes what would we see as an unfortunate event sometimes is like the light that leads you to the Bitcoin through the Bitcoin tunnel and down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. Um, my story was quite different, though. Um, my sister was the one who got into Bitcoin first. Um, then she orange pilled my dad. Uh, they were using it to solve a problem, which is a payment problem. My dad runs an IT company and he needed to pay for you know i think it was a website renewal or domain renewal or something and um the normal cards weren't going through so my sister was doing research and she found out that bitcoin is a way that people could use to pay for domains so he got into it um the problem was solved with bitcoin and this was way back 2015 um when we didn't have lightning um so like I saw it happen. Like I've heard, I heard about it. I saw how it happened because we, my family, work closely together. Um, so, but I got access to Bitcoin when a client of mine, because I was freelancing. Um, I was a freelance writer for five years. Um, a client of mine reached out and they're like, "Hey, can we pay you in Bitcoin um, instead?" And I didn't know what Bitcoin was. So I told my sister, I was like, I have this client, they want to pay me in Bitcoin. And she was like, just tell them that you're open to receiving Bitcoin. And my sister just set up my Bitcoin wallet on blockchain.com at the time. Um, and that's how I got my first set of Bitcoin. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, at the time when, as of that time, price of Bitcoin was around maybe 300 something or 400 and something dollars. And I was paid $400 for that gig exactly so i would have been a proud owner of one bitcoin but like i sold all my bitcoin <laughs> instantly regretted it after a while um but that's why now if you see my search for me on on twitter my name is mary buy the dip um, i'm very passionate about buying bitcoin every day uh, i have a bitcoin savings challenge so which i started in 2021 where i'm saving 
one dollar. All right, sorry, 2022, January 2022, where I was saving one dollar of Bitcoin every day. People thought I was crazy. Oh, the fees, oh, this and that. But I just wanted to show to people in Nigeria and Africa as a whole that you don't have to have all the money in the world to start stacking sats. Um, so that was a proof of concept. And I did it for one whole year. I'm still doing it now again for 2023. Um, just to let people know that it is possible to just stack sats where you're at. I have also bought at the top. I think I bought around 45,000, when Bitcoin is around $45,000, 50-something thousand dollars. And now what? The price of Bitcoin is at 24000 around about that that price as we're recording this. And I'm not bothered, right? Like it's, it's a process. I started learning and having more confidence in the system, the Bitcoin system. Um, a lot of people are looking at the currency. But like the more you get into Bitcoin, the more you have faith in the Bitcoin system and it starts making more sense because when I so I was into heavily into fintech and personal finance. And I just I was walking down the street and I was thinking about um, inflation rates, the Naira cons cons constantly devaluing. Um, and I was like, if I put my money in all these different investments, the rate of returns is not high enough to offset the rate of inflation, the level of devaluation. So I need to put my money, my hard earned cash into something that will give me um, better returns over time. Um, I'm a young person. I'm not in a hurry. I'm not looking to buy a Lambo. Um, but I, what I do know is that by the time I retire, I know that um, Bitcoin is going to go really high and I'll be able to have something to give back to my generation. And maybe even when I have children of my own, like I can start them off early. This is the opportunity that we now have through Bitcoin. Um, a lot of parents didn't have this opportunity to give to their children, but now through Bitcoin, we have the opportunity because if they even stack one Bitcoin, I mean, one $1 worth of Bitcoin, right? into their child's life, they know that they, it's something that could set that child off for it for a lifetime. Um, it, so yeah, <laughs> it's, it's fascinating for me, really, I've been dealing or I've been, you know, covering Bitcoin since 2012. Um, it took me until 2020 to get it. Um, I've been buying and, 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 and selling on and off again. And one of the reasons that where it clicked for me was when I saw it go up, go up, go up and realized, okay, you're probably not going to get rich of this. You know, you're probably not going to, you just, you to, to, this is not, that, that this cannot be the goal anymore. And, 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 and then it, it, it was easier, you know, because the whole, the FOMO and all the speculation, um, really gets you, makes it, makes you go crazy in the head. Right. Um, and, and Bitcoin does the opposite. There's a bigger goal too. Like if you look at Africa, for example, um, there are some of our colonial masters that still benefit from the wealth that Africa has. Um, and that's because they can, there's a way they can tap into our financial system. Um, but if we as citizens or people living in Africa, if we have access to Bitcoin, if we own Bitcoin of our own, we know that there isn't any external source or external body or a third party or a country that could take what belongs to us, right? So there's this bigger picture that people need to start seeing. Um, take, for example, and I know I'm not an authority in this, so like I'm open to like 
being corrected. But look at the African countries that were colonized by France. Um, if I'm not mistaken, France still takes 80% of their wealth, you know, 80, 80%. So I don't know, um, I don't know if that number is correct, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know, and um, greeting, yeah, it's greetings, a lot. It's still a lot. Greet, greetings you know, are like, going out. Yeah. I mean, greetings are going to, to Paris, you know, we, we love the French, but we also hate the French. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. There's, I mean, we have been, we've been here, we've been fighting the French for, for even lo longer than you can think of. No, but that's not the point. The point is you're right. And I, and I, um, I didn't know. I mean, I've been covering monetary economics and even the euro for over a decade. I didn't. I'd never heard about the Colonial Front until um, until Alex Gladstein wrote about it, and and now I looked into it and it makes total sense. Uh, I don't know how much they are stealing, but in the end, for the people, it really doesn't matter if it's if it's France or their local government stealing from them, right? What what matters is that they don't have access to a functioning to a functioning currency and a functioning system. And I totally agree that I've, I've lived in South America for a while where the situation is very similar. Um, the idea of a hard functioning, a hard currency functioning for all these people in Africa and South America is insane. The, the opportunities are insane. And here in, in Europe, we talk a lot about migration. You know, we talk a lot, a lot about how, how are we going to solve the migration problem? Well, you solve it by making the countries where people come from better. Right, um, and and but our solutions are mostly shit. <laughs> so, um, so so Bitcoin really is a chance here. I really believe so. Yeah, I I believe so too. And I know that if people have access to their money, um, and I know that it could be put back into the system to improve the countries. Um, because you know, I lived in Turkey when I was younger. Um, and when I, con when I compare what it's like living in Turkey and the opportunities you get here in Nigeria, the difference is so clear, right? Like you, you get access to, um, to good food, you know, all healthy, organic. Uh, Wait, where? Like where? In, Niger in Nigeria? <laughs> in or Nigeria, in, yeah. Or in Turkey. Uh -huh. In Nigeria. Okay. In Nigeria. And um, if you are in Nigeria and you are, let's say, for example, you are a developer in Nigeria and you happen to work for a Bitcoin company abroad, like the money that you get paid, like it goes a long way. Um, and one thing about the average Nigerian is that we help our families. So your salary isn't just yours, like it trickles down, um, which means that it gives people an opportunity to have a better life through you because it's touching other people. Um, and also the fact that Nigerians are entrepreneurial, it helps create more jobs. Um, so like there's this whole cycle that people could benefit from through Bitcoin. Um, hence the reason why we believe that um, more people should learn about it. More people should see the opportunities that are available through them. Not only financial, economic, but also like in the area of their career, um, through Bitcoin, you could have a voice, um, which is great. You know, like I'm so happy to see now like different podcasts featuring Africa and Africa, the African story and how people are, how people in Africa are adopting Bitcoin and how they're using it. Um, I also love how we see hackathons that, you know, 
are also focused in Africa, which which is great. Like I know the um, Bolton Fund had a hackathon, Legends of Lightning, in December, and they had a special tract for Africa, which also so as a way to showcase the amazing talent that we have here. Um, and that's wouldn't have been possible without Bitcoin. Um, so there's a lot of social, there's a lot of economic career, um, you know, like benefits that come through Bitcoin that can help uplift people. I know that, like, for example, built with Bitcoin, they're using Bitcoin to help build schools and um, bring a really bring amenities to different parts of Africa through the contributions of Bitcoiners. Um, and that's great. Like that shows the power of Bitcoin. I, I didn't um, know about that. It's, it's one of the, <laughs> one of the major problems with Bitcoin is that it, you, there's so much new stuff happening every day. It's, it's impossible to, 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 to stay on top of it. And I do this 24 seven basically these days. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they have these different initiatives, um, and it's really great to know. Um, there is Kala as well that's focusing on um, educating African developers, um, teaching them how to build on Bitcoin, which is great. Um, that just gives developers here another opportunity to, you know, bring their skills in a different area, um, and which is amazing. And when those um, developers get um, absorbed into the workforce, like it's going to go back into back to their families, back to their community in a, in a way that like you never thought would have been possible. Um, so like a lot of things are happening and I'm just really grateful for all people like podcasters like yourself um, and other people who are writers who write articles about Africa and literally reach out to Africans um, to hear their story um, because like all this thing wouldn't have been known if not for people like yourself who create this opportunity for us to tell our story uh, the way it is here. Well, I say thank you. I say thank you for taking the time. Um, I think we have to do this again. Absolutely. And and I would ask you to, you know, send people off with all your social media credentials, your links, your podcasts. Where, where do we find you online? Okay. Um, well, I'm very active on Twitter, so you can follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Mary underscore Imaswen. That's M-A-R-Y underscore I-M-A-S-U-E-N. Then also follow Bitnob. Um, Bitnob is spelled B-I-T-N-O-B um, on Twitter. Bitnob official, that's their handle. So B I T N O B underscore O F F I C I A L. Um, we have a podcast called The Knobcast. Um, you can check us out on um, fountain.fm. And we have interviews with amazing Bitcoiners, and you get to learn a lot from how they use Bitcoin and apply Bitcoin in their lives. And you get to hear their amazing and inspiring stories, um, which is something that will help improve you. Um, then if you're into Bitcoin gaming, you can check me out on Twitch. My Twitch name is Mary Moslin. So I stream every Monday and um, you get to see the different types of Bitcoin games available. So yeah, and then I have a Bitcoin gaming podcast and it's at BTC Gamer Chat on Twitter. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I think that should be all. <laughs> You have you have a lot of work to do, Mary, with all the channels that you have to fill. Um, I do. 
Thank you so much for joining me today. This was this was great. I'm really glad we could do this. It's totally fascinating to see how Bitcoin is developing in Nigeria and generally in other parts of the world. And and I'm glad I'm glad we could cover this. Well, until next time, all the best to you. Thank you so much, Nico, for the opportunity. I'm super grateful. For more content, podcasts, and articles like this, visit fixthemoney.substack.com.